Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Oh, we're kind of cutting down to Gideon's army tonight, but a lot of people working in different things. But get your little handouts out. While he's doing that, while he's doing that, let me remind you, let me remind you of the services as we, uh, so that you're aware of it. You, of course, we have, still have our afternoon service from 4 uh, to 5.30, uh, which we'll be doing on Sunday. But on, on Wednesday night, we have two services Wednesday. One is at 4 to 5.30, and then, which I'm doing, and then the, the one later than that, is Brent and Chad and Cindy and them is from uh, 6.30, I believe it is, up to however long it is. That's on Wednesday. Then on Friday afternoon, too, we have a Bible study as well. So I want to encourage you because in the Bible studies, we're able to go into detail in many, many ways and learning how to live the overcoming life and how to receive from God what you need Him to do in your life, the importance of prayer, the importance of, uh, of certainly uh, dealing, praying just like he said, the way he said, having Bible promises uh, to guarantee your result. Jeremiah 1.12, we read this morning, said he hastens his word to perform it. We've been looking at, looking at how to live the overcoming life in hard, difficult times. And that's where our country is. That's what, where many of our church people are at in this hour. Very difficult time. But the big problem in America, what is going to happen, think about it here in a little while. It could be. We don't know that it's not. My 50 years, and I can tell you, uh, in our 50 years of of serving God and walking with God and and studying the different denominational ideas, there's about five approaches to prophecy. We're not going there tonight, but I just want to mention it that when we look at what the rapture, most of us here believe in a rapture, that problem is when it's taking place. And when you narrow it down, uh, most of them, we, we believe you got post-pre-trib, we got mid-trib rapture, some that don't even believe in one, and you, you get different ideas about it. We believe in a rapture before tribulation. Now, but there is one in mid-trib. Men like Pat Robinson believes that idea, and there's many... Uh, others that do as well. Well, they're correct. There's actually 10. There's actually uh, six historical and four that are prophetic. But the, the purpose for the mid-trib is after the three and a half years of false peace, which we're going to see, we're go- <clears throat> that the peace accord's going to be, they're working on right as I'm speaking. I'm sure you know it's in the process. They signed more into it yesterday and possibly could have it done by the end of the year. That's a possibility. Might not. Might be in the middle of next year. It could be five minutes from now. We, they, we don't know what's going on behind the scenes. Although uh, we do have some good sources there. But we know it could be within the next little while. So if your heart's not where it needs to be, if you need to get it there right now. You can leave, Before you leave this building tonight, you can do that. 
as you and I know. There's nothing that Jesus can't do, not a sin he can't forgive. There's not a problem you've got he can't give you victory over, guaranteed. You can be an overcomer. We're going to look at a lot of it tonight, and we'll go a lot more into it. The problem with man, though, the, the big problem we have is called self-desire, self-centeredness, self-will. When you begin to look at it, selfish thinking, it's that inward voice you hear talking to you all the time. That doubt, doubt is the big number one item. We'll see all the disciples dealt with it. Everybody in the Bible dealt with it, even Jesus Christ himself. As we look at it, my God, my God, why has thou forsaken me? Was his words hanging on the cross. Because he was God, that's for sure. But he was very much man as well. And in Hebrews 5, 7 through 9, said in the days of his flesh, when he was the God-man, in the days of his flesh he feared, yet he learned obedience through the things which he suffered, and he became the author of eternal salvation to all them that obey him. Jesus feared. What did he fear? It meant he reverenced as a man. He reverenced, he feared, yet he learned obedience. Someone said, well, I thought the Christ never sinned. That's right, he didn't. Well, I thought he wasn't disobedient. He wasn't. He learned obedience. Every time an opportunity came up, he obeyed God in it. Every temptation, he conquered it. Why? He dealt with doubt. He overcame doubt. You and I can overcome doubt. And many of us uh, certainly have at times not a person sitting here. Becky, as we talked about it the other day, told us how she drove that car 25 miles when it would try to quit. You'd pray and that car would pick up. By the time you got it to Joe, of course he was here this morning to tell about it, got to your shop, his shop to work on it, God had done what? He touched it and repaired that car for you, didn't he? Yeah, he did. And your life, you, you was delivered after a 44-year bondage the same kind of way. You learn about how to use your faith to get your need met. The faith that delivered you is the same faith that got that car fixed, the same faith that gave you a car, the same faith that put the gasoline money in the car when the Lord, he, he supplied. He's done a lot for you in the last little bit because you've learned how to use your faith. And it's an exciting thing to you. When you came, you was like this, all the pieces broke down. You know, I don't see you shaking, worried, nothing. I see nothing but smiles on your faith. And if you've got a way to church, you're here and you're sitting on the front pew because he has changed your life. Yes, he has. But now anybody that, that will just get out there and try can experience that. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, If any man be in Christ... He is a new creation. Think about that, a new creature. Old things pass away, and behold, all things have become new. That's how God saw it. Now, God said all of them have become new. The devil says that's not true, just like the Lord delivered you here in the last little bit. We talked about me and you was counting a while ago. You'd had that for 40 years, 30 years? How long? 40 years. Very passed very quickly. Just a few days ago, God had you to do a particular thing. What happened in your life? You felt you felt that thing leave you, total, and you're free from it, right? I heard you. You come back to tell me about it. But you had to do something. Now, here's the key thing we want you to understand: 
is we say over and over and over again. In 1 Corinthians 10, 12, God said, If any man thinks he stands, let him take heed, lest he fall. Then the very next verse, verse 13, For there has no temptation taken you, but such as is common unto man. But God is faithful. He will not suffer or allow, allow you to be tempted above what you're able. Here's the way many preachers say it. God won't put more on you than you're able to bear. Number one, God never said that. God didn't put on you in the first place. The devil done it and you let him do it. All right, there's no temptation taken you, caught you, entrapped you, but such as is common unto man. But God is faithful who will not suffer or allow you to be tempted above what you're able, but he will with the temptation. Make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Guess what you found out? God didn't do away with the temptation. That thing bothered you 40 years because you didn't do your part. Your part was to get rid of the temptation. The day you done that, it was broke. You could feel that demon go, couldn't you? Yes, you could. Sure you could. I see a difference in you. I know about it. And we certainly saw it in Becky's life and anybody else's. Because that's how demons... Be, listen, listen, be sober, be vigilant, First Peter 5 eight. because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, is walking about seeking whom he may devour. Now, get that in mind. Satan is out there seeking if he can get in your life and wreck it. That's what his job is. Unless you deal with the temptation with some people that have followed them to their grave. Some, some have went a lifetime nearly before they ever make the move of faith to break that bondage. But you can do it. We saw the Lord do some great things, done a great thing for you today, this afternoon, didn't he, Rick? Big problem blowed up last night on your work thing, but God took care of that great for you today, didn't he? We was laughing about it, certainly. It, it, God is, we found him to be faithful and he will. He answers prayer. And he knows all about your trouble in your life. Now, many, many things. But when we look at doubt, doubt comes into your life because you know what you feel. See, we're really living by feelings. That's not the way God said we're to live. We're to live by faith. Now, listen to this, Galatians 2.20. Write it down, read it till you get it in your head. Listen. Listen, it's very, very important. Uh, Neither circumcision nor uncircumcision availeth anything in Galatians 5, 6, but faith which works by love. He said you got to have faith working by love. But he said in Galatians 2, 20, Paul said, the life I now live, I am crucified with Christ. The life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. The life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. We learn how to live this life by faith. You overcome the flesh by faith. You live by faith. You overcome the world by faith. You overcome the devil by faith. Everything you've got to deal with in life, getting your healing, your blessing, your miracle, comes by faith. Hebrews 11, 1, he said, what is faith? Well, faith is made up of something. It's made up of something that is hoped for that you don't have. 
In fact, in Romans 4, 17, said, Whom he believed, even God, who quickeneth the dead, and he called those things that be not as though they were. So it starts with confession. All right, now, as we understand, we got to confess. He called those things that be not as though they were. And in Hebrews 11, 1, he said, Now faith is, it's the substance of things hoped for, it's the evidence of things not seen. All right, now, so faith is made up of substance. Well, what is substance? Number one, it's hope. You've got hope in for something. Did you know the rapture's call the glorious hope? Oh, yeah, that, that glorious hope and great appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's a blessed hope and a glorious appearing. It's, it's blessed. It's, we're happy, fortunate to be envied to have it. It's a hope that God has given us. God gives you everything he requires, but your job is to take what God has given you and apply it. You can do it, you cannot. You can let doubt, let doubt say, God won't do that for you, you're a nobody. Well, if you just got saved, you're somebody. That's for sure. You're one of God's kids and we know he loves you and he will move for you. And we're gonna learn a lot about it as we dig more into it and tonight and of course in our Bible studies coming up this weekend. Why is this important or, or through the week, Wednesdays and Fridays? Why is it so important? Before we can ever become an overcomer and really live the overcoming life, we got to first learn how to think different, to think different. Then our confession. I mentioned this morning that, there, that you're, you're basically satisfaction, contentment, and fulfillment. These things are very important to a believer or to a person in, in the world today. They, they were hunting some kind of satisfaction, they want contentment and fulfillment. And you see it in marriages, you see it in relationships, you see it with kids and families, they're, they're unhappy, they're miserable, they're ripped apart, their jobs are uncertain. The state of our country, what's going on here? I can tell you sleep good tonight because the keeper of Israel neither slumber nor sleeps. God made Michael in charge of Israel to see that God's will is done. And he's got the angels of the Lord and Holy Ghost around you and around the church to see that that will for his church is done here on this earth while we're here. Keep that in mind. We don't have to worry. The God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, he's going to see us through. Well, we read in some side notes this morning. And I will mention, I had a couple of three here I wanted to point out to you. I don't want to miss none of it. I want to just read some of these because they're good thoughts you need to get in your head. Many folks want to serve God as an advisor. They want to tell him how to do it. That's what they call serving God. God, here's the way I think it should be. Keep this in mind. People are funny. They want the front of the bus. All right. They want the middle of the road. And they want the back seat in the church. That's kind of funny about individuals, isn't it? You ever notice that? They hunt as far back. It's hard to find somebody on the front row. We got, we got a few that'll, of course, here tonight scattered a little, but we're a little th more thicker than this, of course. But, but we do have our back, back row people that come in. I wish they were here tonight. I'd like to get them with it. All right. All right. Now, listen to this one. Uh, the opportunity, opportunity may knock once, but temptation bangs on your front door forever. My opportunity usually will only knock one time, 
but temptation just keeps banging there and it keeps banging there because it wants in your life. You got to understand that temptation. Who's got to get rid of it? You do. That's certainly Luke 22, 3. We could look at many, many places how Satan seeks to get into a person's life. And he certainly does. Then enter. Satan wasn't always in Judas. There was a time when he got in. Now, catch this one. Listen to this one. Uh, God himself does not, does not judge a man until he's dead. That'd be good advice if we took that sometime. And I think it's a good saying. I like many of these. Some minds are like concrete. I could think of a few here tonight that I'd put there. Not me, everybody else but me maybe. All right. Some minds are like concrete, thoroughly mixed up and permanently set. And that kind of sounds like uh, the way we think today. They're humorous things, but yet you can get your mind set and you're, you're not going to move. You're not going to readjust. You don't want, you're afraid to let go. You have more confidence in the decisions you make then you have confidence in what God will do for you. And that's what getting saved and become a Christian, and if you've walked with God many years, you understand the importance of allowing Him to lead your life. Well, I want to pick up a little further. We'll go to our overhead here tonight. I want to get into this quite a bit further than we got this morning. Maybe we can go deeper. How to overcome the overcoming Christian life. Now, we're all supposed to be there. That we are. But I'm afraid everybody has their, vic- their good days and their bad days. I read a book one time many years ago called Three Steps Forward and Two Back. I thought that's a good description of what life is about. Uh, because seemingly we have as many negatives or more than we have positives in life. We see God do I took I had to run a little test this morning for me and it wasn't good. It hadn't looked bad. All right, but now after prayer and seeking God, we've done that again. Hey, and it was back up there where it ought to be. God knows how to take care of you, and he will do it. You just can't believe the bad report. One must fight as we talk about it. You've got to deal with doubt. We're never told to fight the devil, but in 1 Timothy 6, 12, we're told this. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life. You are told to fight the fight of faith. If you don't, you'll not defeat the devil. You'll not defeat your flesh. Listen, you'll not win with the world. You're going to lose every way you turn. And you need faith moving in your life. You need to be developing it more and more every day. We're living in a time... When there's a lot of bacteria, we the plagues, we got this plague to deal with. You've got 500 doctors that say this about it, 500 doctors that say that about it. That different opinions, you're going to find that. Different preachers, you'll find different ideas. Where do we find truth? Always stay. What does the book say? And that's where we'll go. Fight the good fight of faith. You got to deal with it. You got to deal with doubt. If you don't, you will sear your conscience and you will be hardened and left out. You'll get hard. Paul told Timothy, endure hardness, not give in to it, as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Now, as we dig in a little further here tonight, let's go. But in Psalms 37, 23 through 25, one of my many, I guess I could say, I love this one, I love that one, good Lord. Man, there's so much of that Bible. You should love it all. Naturally, we don't love the things that cross us as much as we do the goody plan. 
but I love the goody plan. God has a goody plan for you and I. I how many of you ever remember when they made BCs? Standbacks and goodies. How many of you remember them? That's for sure. If you'll take a BC, that means get before Christ. Oh, yeah, you can make the devil stand back and you'll get to goody. How's that sound to you? Does that sound pretty good to you? All right, it'll work. It'll work. Psalms 37, 23 through 25, notice it with me. He said, the steps of a good man. Now, you may say so-and-so's a good person or a good woman. That's not the way God was using the term. There was not a particular Hebrew word for the word conquering one. Uh, that was used in the English language to compare to, and we, Brother Oben Chain was a Bible translator and went to church with us for a, quite a few years ago, and he traveled the world translating, a very brilliant man, and he used to talk about different words, but you've got a reference Bible that'll do that for you, and in your reference Bible, it points it out. All right, so the Hebrew word here for good is actually conquering one. Now, God said, if you want to be a conquering one, I like, that's far better than a good man, a conquering one, the steps of a conquering one. So if you're going to be a conquering man, God's going to have to order your steps. Remember, in 1 Peter 1, 23 and 4, he left us an example in his steps. Jesus showed us where he put his step, his steps to the, to, to, to the uh, to Pentecostal time, uh, certainly on, on that great day, his steps even to Mount Calvary, his steps in a trial, his steps out of a trial, his steps into the wilderness, his steps out. You take steps everywhere you go. All right, but does, what is God leading you in them? The steps of a good man or conquering one are ordered by the Lord. He delighteth in his ways. Now, notice with me here. I want you to read it right out of your reference Bible. There is nothing in the Hebrew for good. The Hebrew man here is Heber. It's a strong man, means mighty man or conqueror. The idea is that even the most powerful man must be guided and supported by the Lord. Otherwise, his strength and courage will fail. Now, God said, catch it, Though he fall, the righteous will be upheld by Almighty God. Now, what a great statement. Let's read on. Verse 25, the steps of a good man, they're ordered by the Lord. Though he fall. God said, even though you're taking steps that God gives you, there's times you fall. Now, if somebody said, I don't quite understand that. Well, just like Jesus said in Luke 17, 1 through 5. It is impossible, but that offenses will come. Trials are coming. Difficulties are coming. God's going to let some of them come. He'll let you get in this spot and in that spot. These are all learning processes in life. Believe me, I've had my share. I believe I've had mine and yours and yours and yours. It feels that way, and some of you may feel that way. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down for the Lord oppose him or he breaks the fall. God run in and he caught you. I remember true story in New York City back in 19 I'm going to say 91 or 2. There's been other incidents uh, but there was occasions where people fell out of some of those pretty good sized apartment complexes out of windows for different things. In one particular one, a person fell out of a window. They had rails around it, and it was easy. If you didn't lock them back, they would easily pop out. And this person fell, and fell several stories high. All right, now, it should have killed them, but it didn't. Why? 
uh, the newspaper went on to say, all right, now, uh, it didn't, uh, didn't hurt, didn't harm them that much. It said they had a canopy that they landed on. But what was more important than that, the canopy going under it was a man walking under it at the time. And when they fell, they actually landed on the man that in a sense caught them or broke their fall. Now, he suffered more damage than the one that fell. Think about it. Though he falls, he said, I will uphold him with his hand. God runs his hand in and he'll catch you and he'll lower you down. Now, I've been young, I'm now old, yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. He said, I was once young, I'm now old, but I've never seen the righteous forsaken or begging bread. God said he always took care of those that walked with him. God is a wonderful Lord, isn't he? Look at these great promises. All right, let's move on. Let's look at quite a few others. In the 143rd Psalm, that David wrote so many of the Psalms, not all of them, but the ones we're going to read tonight he did. In Psalms 143, 8 through 12, he said, Cause me to hear thy loving kindness in the morning. For indeed, he said, for in thee do I trust. Catch his statement. Now let me tell you the Old Testament word for faith. It is trust. It was trust. Trust was one of the Old Testament. Faith is only found two times in the Old Testament. Can you believe that? That word. But there's other words that meant the same. And trust was one of the many. Trust was one, and certainly it was. And sometimes it was simply believed. Abraham believed God, and it was imputed unto him for righteousness. He was called the friend of God, or he loved God. When you talk about somebody's friend, that's one of the 36 different words for the word love. Is we look at it in your Bible, and it means to have fondship of or be fond of. All right, we'll catch it here. Notice it. For it caused me to hear thy loving kindness in the morning, for in thee do I trust. I've got my faith in you, O God. So we see David acknowledged he kept his faith in him. Cause me to know the way wherein I should walk. That should be our prayer. Not God, I want to go this way. But Lord, if I'm out of your will, help me to get over where I need to be. David prayed that prayer. He was a man, you know what he done? He avoided temptation. We, you, can, you can certainly deal with temptation by asking God to intervene, and you can do it. But many folks don't want to take that chance because of the fun they might miss, they think, along life's way. Cause me, to, uh, cause me to know thy way wherein I should walk, for I lift up my soul unto thee. David, this was one of the ways he was asking God to watch over his heart, watch over the emotional man. All right, now he said, cause me. Lord, I'm asking you to intervene. I'm asking you to move and to help me. I, I don't want that junk getting in my life. I don't know about you. You've heard an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. Well, it takes 16 ounces to make a pound. So if I'm trying to prevent something a little bit, 16 times that can bring, if we want to take it like that, uh, we'd come, you get God's help. When you ask God to help you, it's, about, it's actually nearly that many times less trouble is going to come in your life. So here's how you can avoid a lot of problems. Oh, Lord, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. The disciples learned that little prayer. 
Uh, deliver us from the evil one. Or uh, the evil one getting an upper hand on our life. But that's a prayer we pray. But if you don't pray, how are you going to say it? If you're praying, talking to God. You can ride down the road and talk to God like he's sitting in the car with you because he is. He's there. All right, now talk to him. Lord, just like you talked to him driving that car. Oh, God, now, did, he, did he answer you every time he prayed it? He kept your car going, didn't he? When it was dying, you'd say, Lord, help me. And whoop, it picked right back up. Then it started again. You'd pray, he'd pick right back up. Now, he wonder why he let that happen so many times. Because you need to keep that in your mind all the time. Lord, help me. Thou will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, Isaiah 26, 3, because thou trusteth in me. So you catch that word trust, that means faith. So let's put it together. All right, now we understand here. So this is what David was understanding. Faith then is constantly putting your dependence in God watching over your life. You ought to pray over your car. You need to pray over, me. Uh, I prayed for parking places. How many of you ever done that? Pray for a parking place, yeah. You, you can pray for so many, many places. If you drive on the interstate around the, the split over there, any on some of these highways here on this weekend, you'll have to pray for a place to pull out. I'll tell you that now, because they're circling all the cars around while they're fixing the, uh, the cloverleaf thing out here at 24, as you know. All right, now, how true that is. And sometimes you learn to back up and go another way. All right, and we need to learn that. But notice his statement. He, under, he used faith. He, he used another word here. It was trust. But he's saying the same thing. He prayed that God intervene in his life. Now, but if you don't pray, Lord, help me today. Don't let me mess up today. Don't let me run my mouth and get my mouth in trouble. I know a guy I'm looking at right now that that old mouth's got him in trouble. Would you slip that hand up and say, oh, yeah, it has. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But now, didn't you say that God running got you out? Yeah, he got you out, got you out. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. But we, if we can learn, if we pray, and we say, Lord, help me not to be that kind of person. Help me not to get myself in trouble. Help me. And he can certainly bless you in many ways. Verse 9, he said, Deliver me, O Lord, from my enemies. Wow, let's read on. I flee unto thee to hide me. I flee unto thee to hide me. Listen at it. He run to God. Where do we run most people? They run to the bottle. They run to their friend. They run to the world, worldly system. They run everywhere but God. But David learned how to run to God. He learned how to run to God. You've probably run to God more, Becky, in the last few months of your life than you probably did your whole life. I don't know, but I'd say it's probably true. You talk to him all the time. You talk to him daily? Oh, yeah, you get upset if you can't get to church, don't you? You get mad and upset and, I guess, outrageous and rave and all that. I kind of thought you did. You look like, I bet you throw the fit every now and then. Yeah, I can see that. All right, now, all right, because you want to be in God's house. We understand it. He said now, verse 10, look at this one. Teach me to do thy will. Not to know it, to do it. Isn't that interesting? Not to know it. That's not what he said. Teach me to do thy will. Now let me tell you what he just asked for when he said that. He asked for he was asking for correction or some kind of hard hand that would give him a reason to want to do it. 
God, you know how to teach me. How many of you learn the hard way sometimes? Can I see a show of hands? I thought I would. Yeah, Kevin Boston should get his hands up because I know he's had to learn. All right, now, all right, teach me to do thy will. For thou art my God, thy spirit is good. Lead me into the land of the uprighteous. Now, David sees all these things that God can do. Solomon never even taught this stuff. David had an intimate relationship with God that Solomon had so little of. Solomon was always giving his heart to know this, giving his heart to know that. A thousand uh, wives, think about it. Look at all he was involved in and all the political things he was involved in. But David was involved with learning the ways of God. Now, that's the big difference. And he became a man with favor. He became a man after God's own heart. Now, notice it. He said in verse 11, now, do you see this little word quicken? I love word study. I I believe in my life I've went through the entire Bible, I believe I can say it, and have read every word that had any kind of letters to it, more than two or three, to be sure I understood the definition. And in doing so, I found out if you've got a good Strong's Concordance or Young's or Wilson's Word Studies or whatever, there's so much more you can learn than what you thought you knew. Well, catch it here. Notice what he said. Quicken me. What does that mean? It means make me come alive. In other words, Lord, don't let me die in religious stupor. Quicken me. Make me alive. Don't let me just have an... You you can meet somebody, want to develop a relationship with them, and you, you don't show enough interest to find out anything about them. And sometimes the best person that you could ever have in life just walked out of your life because you didn't pursue that. That's true in growing up as a kid, learning how to identify the right person in your life. God has a right... Anybody could be that person. What you got to look for is a person that is willing to be. If they're not willing to be, you're wasting your time and you're wasting because if that person don't have the will to do it, they never, they're not going to on their own. Uh, just, it won't be there unless God intervenes. So you got to change your prayer. God, you know how to put them in a spot to where they see their need for you because he put you there, didn't he? Yes, he did. So he knows how to put them there. Learn your prayer, praying that way. But he says, quicken me, O Lord. O Lord, for thy name's sake, for thy righteousness shall break, I shall bring my soul out of trouble. Now catch what he said. Your righteousness, O God, will bring me out of trouble. The wanting to be right with God brought you out of a bondage that would have wrecked your life until you died. You probably might not have made heaven. Think about that. All right? But God's righteousness is what brought him out. But people run from that because they don't want to turn it loose. It's fun, it's a thrill, it's it's, it's whatever that they're holding on to. But it sometimes, like you said, took you a while. About everybody I ever knew, it took a while to get there. Forty years for you about that. All right, others, and you said you didn't mind me saying it. So don't ever give me privilege and not mean it, I'll use it. You know that. All right, (laughs) you did. All right, that's for sure. All right, but others, that's why, you remember what Jesus told Peter? Strengthen the brethren. Tell them what you've learned. Pass it on. This is the way. And in the book of Corinthians, Paul said, we are the epistles written and read of all men. The only Bible most people will ever see is your life and what they can learn from what you've walked through. 
Now, if I can teach someone else and they can avoid some hardships, then at least it makes me feel like I didn't go through that for nothing. Somebody else benefited from it, and many times it's your own kids. But let me share something with you. Through the Bible, Belshazzar didn't teach Nebuchadnezzar, or Nebuchadnezzar didn't teach Belshazzar, or we could look at, that it's obvious here, David failed in teaching Solomon, but he allowed Solomon's mother, which was not a believer like David was in the right God, all right, he, he, allowed, he allowed that uh, to teach, to teach uh, Solomon. And Solomon learned many things about idol gods that caused him problems the rest of his day. Even though he had the wisdom of God, he had that input, that one big mistake. Look at what that one big mistake opened the door to. But you could get into a lot of it. But he said, and of, uh, and of mercy, he said, bring my soul out of trouble. And of mercy, he said, and of thy mercy, he said, cut off mine enemies. And notice this, and destroy all them that afflict my soul, for I am thy servant. Now we're going to talk about uh, some, sometimes things were twofold. Some had to do with the suffering of, of the Christ, as we'll look at, and were later re- portions of them were said in other books, and we're going to look at some of that as we look at some of these and we dig deeper into it. Pull it on up, though. I want to get into some key points. All right. In Psalms 142.7, notice this one. Because we see David talks about many experiences, troubles, hurts, pains, trials. What got him out of all of them? Trusting God, praying, getting rid of temptation. He trusted in God. He had faith and he prayed to get out of temptation. He prayed and he got to get out of temptation. He asked God to teach him his will. Those were three key things that made David a man after God's own heart. Now, he set out to fulfill God's will for his life. Now, in Acts 13, 22, he said, He found David, a man after his own heart, which shall fulfill all of my will. And in verse 36 of Acts 13, he said, He served the Lord in his generation. So he served God in his generation. He taught them. He spread the truth. He walked in it. He was a living example. And he, but those that listened, many did not listen because they had the three major faults that David had. That, but David pointed them out because David didn't say them. It was not a truth. He did say it. They didn't want to hear it. Now that's the problem. And that's where we are today. People aren't any different. They wouldn't. Any, they, the, the Bible was not a special breed of people. He said James t- said talking about Elijah. He was a man subject to like passion as you and I. You know what that meant? He he doubted just like you did. He had fleshly desires just like you did. Elijah had all that, but he prayed anyhow. He had to deal like, like anybody else, but he prayed anyhow. Then he kept sending his servant out till the servant came back and said, there's a cloud over there about the span of a man's hand. That's all he had to hear. But he was a man subject to like passion as you. And we're going to see Paul use that same statement about him and Peter. We're men of the same passion as you are. Now, when I talk about passion, you can think, you think, you can think of, of maybe a, a passionate in a lustful manner. All right, in an ungodly manner. That's one definition. If you saw Mel Gibson's movie, The Passion of the Christ, now he was talking about a godly passion here for human souls. That was true. 
Jesus died that we might live. Think about that. Well, what is your passion for God? Are you willing to let go of the things of the world to please God? It took you how long? 40 years. You see it even better tonight just by talking about it. You see clearer now and you felt that victory. You could have had that 40 years ago. You want to kick yourself, don't you? Because you think, wonder what I got cheated out of for 40 years. Many things that God could have done. Imagine that. Thank God he got rid of it. He could make heaven his home. I'm not belittling any of that. But, you know, you can go. Jesus said, I didn't just come that you might have life. I come that you might have life in this life more abundantly. But now, most people never know that. They're in bondage. Because all they can think about is a little petty addiction or something they think they can't live without. Let me tell you what you can't live without. You cannot have life without a relationship with Jesus. And I'm not talking about singing a song or sitting on a church pew. I'm talking about your life committed to Him. Can I hear a big amen? All right, so important. Now notice, bring my soul out of prison. Now he's talking about prison. Trouble, pits, problems. Now he talks about prison. Look at the way that he uses terms to describe what he went through. Notice it. That I may praise thy name. Oh, wow. Look at here. When he brings you out of prison, then you learn to praise him. So how are we learning to praise God? We first got to go to prison. So now, now that you're out, man, it ain't hard for you. I, I notice you coming in the door, squalling and a bawling. Why is that? Thank God you're out of prison, right? Thank, and I, Becky, you've seen that since Jesus delivered you. It's a new world. Somebody said Becky wakes up in a new world every day. Thank God that's the way it's supposed to be. But if you run back to the pit, it won't be that way. You're not dealing with your temptation. Every one of you, the devil found that weakness. You know he has demons assigned to you? They study you. And they look for that. They saw your eyes when you looked. They could, Satan, number one, Satan cannot read your mind. He's not God. He don't know all. Uh-uh. He's just a fallen cherub, which was an angel, as we know. Not just a common angel, though. Oh, you had archangels and cherubs and so forth. So he was high up there. I mean, I want you to know, man, he was made, created perfect in the day. He was created until one day iniquity was found. All right, but he fell by his own temptation, just like Job. Job was a perfect and upright man. His family wasn't saved. Listen at his wife. Why don't you curse God and die? Listen at his kids. They partied. But Satan said he couldn't get to his kids because there was a hedge around them. Why was that? Job 1.4 said Job fasted and prayed for them. Who knows? They may, have cursed, they may have cursed God in their heart. So Job interceded for them and God protected them. Seventy years. It happened. But then the devil came before God in heaven and, and, and God said, Satan, where have you been? Because Satan had access. Adam got that access in as we know. Then there was a time Satan did get to boot. And there's a time he's going to get to boot again. 
And that's when the, the, that's how the atom bomb started. We're going to talk about that. If you know there was earthquakes and all that, when angels moved back, there was earthquake. The splitting, if you could talk about it, the sound barrier. Uh, we break atoms when angels come. There's an interesting term here about lightning, but I'm not going to get into it, but it's, it's a great biblical truth you'll love. When we get in Bible study, you're going to enjoy what you see. All right, but I want to look here. You, when, you, when prison is broke, we get rid of all that junk that was around you that held you for years. But you got to keep it broke. You must deal with the temptation. Now notice it. That I may praise thy name. He said, the righteous shall compass me about, for thou shalt deal bountifully with me. Now he knew, he had confidence what God was going to do and what God would do, what God's blessings were, because he trusts the Lord. Abraham had trust in God. Job trust the Lord. He held his integrity. Seventy years he had done real good. And all of a sudden Satan goes into heaven and God said, where have you been? He said, walking down to and fro in the earth. He said, I've been looking at all those people you got down there. Now keep this in mind. He said, uh, and he, he said, I've been checking them out, and he's making accusations before the angel. Now we find this setting in, 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 the, new, in the Old Testament, of course, and we'll see some in the New. But he said, he, he's saying, but you know, yeah, you've got some down there, but they all have a reason for serving you. And he said, well, none of them's perfect. And he said, well, hold on. He said, if you considered my servant Job, there's none like him, a perfect and upright man. Think about it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He's a man that held his integrity. Integrity means wholeheartedness. He held his integrity. Now, listen. Satan, Satan said, well, yeah, that's true. That's true. But he said, you've got to hedge around him. Wonder how the devil know that? Because he tried to get in and couldn't. You've got to hedge around him and everything he had. But he said, if you'll, if you'll let me, if you'll remove that hedge, I'll prove to you and all the angels. So see, Satan doesn't sway a third of them. He'd like to get more. He's trying to plant doubt. God had to let, God let that go on in heaven. And he allowed doubt to be planted to them too. Believe me, we read this morning where God said he called attention to the heavenlies. They need to learn. We, we see many places where God says that. All of y'all look on, angels. They're learning from it. And Satan's saying that. And Satan's saying, yeah, but that's because you've got a hedge around him. He, he said, but if you pull that hedge around, said, he won't, he won't, he won't, he'll deny you. God's in a spot. God said, all right. You can do that, but you can't touch him. You can't harm him. So here Satan goes immediately, and he begins to kill, to, to kill his sheep, his herds, his herdsmen. Whirlwinds come, his barns is tore up. He's the richest man. He's blessed abundantly. And the, the devil comes in in a whirlwind, and, and the devil would come in, and he would kill. He killed everybody that took care of the sheep, but he leave one. He left one man so that man could run back to the, and give the report to Job and said, I hate to tell you, all you, a whirlwind blew up and got all your sheep. See, that devil left one so he could do the work for him. All right, then when it was his cattle, the same kind of way, and he went back and said, then it was his sons and daughters, and he went back and said, I hate to tell you, sons, but the devil always left one to go back and tell the story. He always had that one. It'll be that messenger for the devil. So many times, people aren't a messenger for God they're messenger for the devil when they set you in a trap. Look back at it. What produced that advice you got? 
Where did it come from? Was it from heaven? James 3 said it's either from above or it's from the bottom of the pit. And you and I need to realize it didn't come from God. Was it That wisdom is not from above. James 3 told us that. Things are in the tongues, not bridle. Well, anyhow, this is what the devil's pulling. All right, so God let Job lose it all. Now, you and I know Job held his integrity. He never cussed God. He never, his wife said, why don't you curse God and die? He didn't do it. Went on from eight to 11 months. He'd never done it. Job didn't even know there was a devil. Think about it. He didn't know the oldest book of the Bible. Why has God let this happen? Now, he lost it all. He can't imagine. Now he's in ashes. He's sitting in ashes and balls all over him. And his wife said, why don't you just curse God and die? That means commit suicide. And he said, woman, you talk like a fool. I know my Redeemer liveth, and though he slay me, yet will I serve him. Now there's a man that proved to be a loving God, not just for things. But now, God said that Job never, never accused him falsely for a period of time. But as time went on, the crowd, his, his friends, caused him to waver. And then Job began to make accusation. God also used it for the angels to learn. So in Job 38, the angels are watching. God tells Job, and he says, all right, Job, God came down very angry with Job. And he said, Job, you're so smart. Where was you when I lay? Answer me, stand up there and answer me like a man. Oh, I said many times when we read it, I love the passage, Job 38. If you hadn't read it in a while, you need to read it. He said, where was you when I laid the foundations of the earth, when the morning stars sang together and the sons of God shouted for joy? Tell me, Job, if you're so smart, tell us all. God's uptight, didn't he? Sounds like some of you wives and husbands fussing. <laughs> Job was in trouble. And when Job realized it in Job 42, you pick it up, and you pick up about verse 1 and read on down, Job began to confess. And he straightened it out. But here's one of the things we learn about Job. All the way down to about verse 6. And you go on down to verse 10. But in verse 6 it picks up, when Job began to pray for his accusers, for his, friend, his enemies. Now notice it. It said, God turned the captivity of Job. God gave him twice as much as he ever had, added 140 years to his life. Think about that and gave him twice as many sons and daughters. Now, he didn't give him those that got killed. They perished. That happened. But God gave him twice as many more and added 140. He lived to be 210 years old. Now, look at Job. Then why did all that happen to Job? So in James chapter 5, God could say to you and I, People that are going to see the rapture, and that's who he said it to, remember the patience of Job. You know what he told you? Because some in this world, in America, will lose everything they got. Some have lost their kids. Some of their kids have run off and done whatever. But Job didn't, have you considered, that means you endure without complaining. Shut that mouth. Begin to praise God. Talk faith. 
Begin to get your mind set where it should be and watch God move for you. I have fought the same kind of devils that I hear people tell me when they call and tell me about. I said, you don't think I ain't a daddy and a grandpa and I don't have good friends? I know what those feelings are, but let me tell you, I have to deal with unbelief just like you do. If you shut your mouth, start believing God, start to Rambo back here when a doctor said you had a tumor on your lung, you wouldn't hear it. Two years you dealt with it, that thing kept getting smaller and smaller and the last time you went, they couldn't find it, right Rambo? And all you would say is all is well. He got a hold of that. He got a, we got a little plaque up here, 2 Kings chapter 4, a Shunammite woman. When, when they said, your, chi- is a child, your child is dead, right? She said, all is well. All is well. Yes, she did. We got that out of the Bible. Oh, really? Yes, she confessed what she wanted it to be. She confessed what Hope said. Kevin, he said, I'm going to take your leg off to the knee. You didn't want to believe that. We didn't believe that, did we, buddy? And all you lost when you woke up after the surgery, thank God you, I could hear you giggling and carrying on. You was excited because you could see there was a leg. Not only that, you could see there was a foot. Man, you was really excited. All you had was a little toe nipped on. and that, Hey, you didn't mind it at all. Thank God he's a big God, isn't he, Kevin? Yes, he he didn't do that because you deserved it. Amen. He done that because you believed him. Amen. Can I hear a big ass? Right, give God a big hand. All right, now, he done it because he believed him. That's what we got to do. Now catch it here. For thou shalt deal bountifully with me. You know how I know Jesus loves me? I, I was taught as a child, Jesus loves me, this I know. For the Bible tells me so. Simple, but it is true. How do I know he loved me? He died for me. When I was a wicked, sorry, no account sinner, not worth nothing, God gave his most precious jewel. Think about it. God himself became, he became what I was because I needed to get to go where he is so that that could be possible for me. He done that and he done it for you. Pull it on up. Let's go quickly. We're going to dig a little bit. We're going to see a lot more that David had to say. Now, going through all that brought David to this. I will praise thee with my what? Man, he's learning how to get wholehearted now. What, what put him there? Prisons, trials, troubles, pits. He wrote about pits. You know what a pit stop is? In a race, you've got cars that'll go into the pit. Oh, yeah, if you make many pit stops, you're going to lose the race. Paul said we all run, but not just one's crown. So we got to run lawfully, and we got to be temperate. The man that runs in 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 27, he's got to be temperate in all things. That means he's got to have self-control. If you got to have a drink of water, you got to learn how to control your crave for water. Don't make the pit stop. Keep driving. All right, you got to learn how to get a hold of self. You make pit stops, you lose the race. You can finish the race, but you didn't get crowned. You didn't get the reward. A lot of people are letting their passion stop them by pit stops and along the way. All right. Now, now notice what he says. I will praise thee with my whole heart before the gods I will sing praises unto thee, David said. Did you notice he put S there? God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. He recognized all three. It's Elohim, 2,705 times it's translated God in the plural. In the beginning, gods in Genesis said created the heavens and the earth. And the reason I'm saying that social media people are watching, and I'm sure many of them will wonder, uh, what's he talking about gods? You mean there's more than one? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost. Yeah, they three. Can I hear a big amen here tonight? Three persons as we talk about it. 
uh, three in one, in one personal body, as we'll look at, and, and they can have each one. Uh, but notice it. But let's move on. I'll get hung up there. But he said, I will worship toward thy holy temple. Before the gods will I sing praises unto thee. I will worship toward thy holy temple and praise thy name. Listen. Praise thy name for thy loving kindness and for thy truth. So you had to walk through to learn God is loving and God is kind. You deserved a lot of things that come in life, but in every one of them, you found out it wasn't as bad as you thought. God, if you don't handle it right, God was good to you and God was kind. And it makes you learn how that when the next trouble comes, why am I praising God? Because I'm going to believe this one will be like the last one and even better. God will be even better. God to be even kinder. He's going to bless me more in an abundant way. Faith talks that way, not doubt. Job had doubt. That's what happened to Job. Really, where? That thing I feared has come upon me. Oh, Job feared? What did he fear? He feared he had doubt that it was possible God would take it back or would allow him to lose it. That was Job's problem. He'd done a good job. But he did have that thing I feared has come upon me. Doubt. That's an inward fear. You can't live the life. You'll always hear the devil tell you, you can't live the life. He's told you that many times. Hey? You can't live the life. You can't overcome. Well, I know you can't, but Jesus can and the one that's with you will. You're not going to do it by yourself. The life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the, the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself more. The life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. The life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith the Son of God gave me. Listen, he did. Oh, yeah, you can live this life in the flesh by the faith he gives you. By his faith, we can live the life. How many of you know we can? If you say it. But then you can say, it's too hard, I can't. Forty years, that temptation, we're not going there. That's nobody's business. But it was a bondage, big one. Very few people ever break it, a big one. I know that. All right. But here's we've been friends regardless, haven't we? I knew you had problems for a long time, didn't I? I love you. I knew Jesus going to get you there, didn't we? We all knew that. All right. We've all had those kind of problems, hadn't we? All right, but here's the key point. Now, I'm not saying he's such an old wicked person, not implying that, but he had a bondage. But here's the key thing I want to get to. Now, and I want you to get to it. Not until you made your move and you knew when you pushed this button, it's gone. You knew it, you couldn't get it back. There's a button you had to push and you couldn't get it back. But you had to make it step. That meant you turned your back on it. Temptations. There's things you've got to walk off from. You remember Lot's wife. You ever, when you read the story of Lot and Abraham, the countryside, they were so blessed, the countryside couldn't contain both of them. What? What do you mean by that? The countryside couldn't contain Lot and Abraham? They sojourned going for that promised land. All right, Lot's Abraham's nephew, and, and Abraham's his uncle. All right, so keep that in mind. All right, and now they're sojourning for that land as we get to picture. And it said they were so blessed that the countryside couldn't contain them. What was meant there? It meant they got contentious. What does that mean? Have you noticed that Christie's got a new car? Yep. Yeah. That daughter of hers got a new house. Have you noticed that? 
Yeah. Oh, they're uppity, uppity now. You know how that goes. And, and, but this is what happened. They got jealous of each other. And they wasn't satisfied. That's what happened to Satan. He wasn't satisfied with being number two. He wanted God's plot. Oh, yeah. It's called pride. It's called that. It was that. All right. And then he let pride get in. Now, these are in the appetite group. I mentioned appetite to you this morning, what all it covers, all this, the sexual stuff and other things here. As we mentioned, Solomon, David, and, and, and Samson, as we look at all three great mighty men, one in wisdom, one in strength, and one in his love for the Lord, and all three fell over the appetite group, all three. Now, if the appetite group got them, it'll get you. All right, but Paul had what was called, now you need to write this word down, the gift of continence. Now when I make a statement, somebody will look at you and say, what is the gift of continence? Did you know there's a gift that God will give you called continence? Sure. Not in content, it's continence. It means the ability to control your self-desires. Now, you'll never get there unless you learn to deal with faith. Paul had it. Now, and certainly we'll talk about it. And they, they were kings and others. We'll look at how the different means that they, they, they achieved that. But Paul had that gift, and that gift is available for anybody in this day and hour. Some people were celibate. They never married. They had the gift of continence. All right, and so some people go through life that way. They've learned. I've worked with many a person, teaching them how to develop the gift of continence in your life. I can tell you it can be done. You can do it. And it's easy to keep it. Once you conquer it. Let me tell you about fasting. If you've ever done any fasting, any length of time. Now, some people, I'm not talking about, I, I, I go on a Daniel fast, I don't eat meat, I don't eat this. But I'm, fasting's not eating anything or drinking anything. Think about that. And, and you ain't going to go too long. I'm going to tell you that. <laughs> so let's don't get way out there. All right. But now we do know, we do know your body can go without water about 7 to 13 days. And that's it. You're going to die. you got to have water. A thirst is the strongest craving the body. Keep that in mind. Food, you can go maybe 40 days, but then after that, death sets in. Uh, so you've got to have food to sustain it. Now, certainly we do. But, but if you fast five, six, seven days, and I mean a total fast, you won't want to eat. I told my sister. I said, I can tell you what's wrong with, you, with your husband. After you go six, seven days, get him protein, get him, put protein in his body. That's good for him, and he won't want to eat. So it's no battle to die. Somebody said, you mean that? That's all there is to it. If you, you can do it that way. After about the ninth, seventh, eighth day, you don't want to eat nothing. Believe me. No, you don't want nothing. And I know that's hard for you to believe, but it's a fact. And they can run all the coconut cakes by you and all the ice cream and all that, but I'm just telling you, unless you bite into it, that, that desire won't come back. But once you bite into it, guess what? It's back. That's right. That's right. So you get to where you, and he don't, he won't want to eat. He'll have a difficulty getting him. They kind of take soups and they work you back into it when you go a long period. So I know I've been 30 some odd days, so I know what that's like, but look here. But he said, I will worship toward thy holy temple. Not only now, as we talk about a man that understood how to walk with God and how to overcome, and act this generation, while well, they laugh when you talk about continent. They're totally obsessed. They can't imagine it. I can't imagine being what some of them are into. I don't want to imagine that. Only the help and grace of God. I'm not gloating in nothing but the help and the grace of God because that's what it takes to get you there. Can I hear a big amen? All right, but notice here. I will worship toward thy holy temple. 
I will. Did you catch 200 times David used the term will because you have to choose to do it. Now notice carefully. I will worship toward thy holy temple and praise and praise thy name for thy loving kindness and for thy truth. He didn't just praise him for he was good to him. He praised him for what truth does. Now he didn't say for his word. He said for truth. He had the word rightly divided where he understood what is truth. Luke 17 said, Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. In Timothy, you'll know the truth. In John 8, 30 through 36, you'll know the truth. And the truth will make you free. In Timothy, he said he would that all men be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. Truth is God's word rightly divided. So here's the key thing. We don't only get the word of God. We need it rightly divided. Everybody's got an interpretation here. That's why you've got to get into it to see what it's saying. When you find what truth, what it really means, then you'll see power. God honors that. But while some people pray certain prayers, I prayed to the Father in the name of Jesus, and, and some, I missed it somewhere. Yeah, you did. It's something you've got to understand. You've got to understand how you apply that. You learn to keep praying. You learn to keep saying it over and over. And you learned to holler at Jesus, didn't you? You knew to do that, and that's what you done. And he got it done. God done it for you. Yes, he did. You believe he'd do it again. That's right. When you needed money for the car, for gasoline, you prayed. Where God God told you, get up, go out there and look in that car. Certain place, there's money. Somebody throw some money down in the car. Isn't that something? Uh, and David Turner was with me when God rained money in that for that family we talked about over yonder. won't get into all that. But I'm just saying ain't nothing God can't do when you're serious and you really need it and you're, you're, we're not playing a silly little game here. He cares about your needs and he does. You mean God cares about my light bill? Yes, he does. Yes, he does. He cares about the little things in your life and the big things in your life. He cares about all about you. He cared about Ricky's problem today. I could see Ricky praying when he answered that phone. I know in your heart you're saying, well, I believe in you here to help me. I bet you did, didn't you? Because I know you. And God helped you, didn't he? He always has, hadn't he, buddy? Yeah. You learned to love the Lord. You've learned that God loves you. Boy, ain't nobody like Jesus. Many times he would have wanted to throw it in the town and quit. Rambo back there would have wanted to throw it. But they've had so many encounters with the Lord. God took Go back to what? When the devil said to me, why don't you go? I said, back to what? To the, to the hog pen? Man, once you have put your feet under the king's table, hey, I want you to know, no hog pen will ever be like the king's table. Can I hear a big amen here tonight? He'll take care of you. Now, if he don't do it for a season, He's developing something in your life to get you to where you can get it. He brought you out of the wheelchair, Teresa. He healed your liver, cirrhosis. You felt it flip your body. We could just look around. Anywhere you look, you see people that's had miracles. Healed you of cancer. We could talk about them. Yeah, yesterday's trials is today's testimony. And I told the Lord a long time ago, I'll tell the whole world over and over. I don't care how sick they get, they don't want to hear it. I love saying it because it blesses me to know if God helped him, he'll help me. If he helped you, he'll help me and you and he'll help anybody else. But I got me in mind too. He'll get to me and he will get to you. And God don't write you off just like that. No, he doesn't. He didn't, Jimmy, did he? That's right. 
For thou hast magnified thy word. Notice it. But let's back up to verse 2. I will worship toward thy holy temple. Notice what he's going to tell us. And praise thy name for thy loving kindness and for thy truth. For thy truth. That word rightly divided. Notice it. For thou hast magnified thy word even above thy name. God exalted the name of Jesus above every name, but he exalted something higher than that. He exalted his word even above his name. You cannot get any higher authority than God's word. God wrote it down in a book, Psalms 138 verse 2. He magnified his word, means exalted even above his name. Oh my, when we begin to look, Verse 7 and 8. Now notice it. Let's see what he was saying about it. Let's read on a little bit more. Verse 7 and 8. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, read it with me, thou wilt revive me. Though I walked in the midst of trouble, I walked there, thou wilt revive me. I got in trouble, but you brought me back to life. I messed it up, but you straightened it out. Hey, I want you to know, there's keeping power with God. If you have faith in him, he can keep you. How many of you know he can? I'm kept by the power of God through faith. Now let's read on. Thou shalt stretch forth thy hand against the wrath of mine enemies, and thy right hand shall save me. Wow, wow, wow. Let's keep on reading. What else did he tell us? Notice here, note E. Pull it up. Literally what he said. Literally. You will keep me alive in the midst of trouble and preserve me from my enemies. Not in them, from them. My, my. Because you got to hold the truth. Because you learn how to deal with doubt. Because we learn how to replace doubt with the promises of God. And we kept on and on till we achieved the victory. Now, I want to get into some more. Verse 8, look here, verse 8, quickly. I love this. The Lord will perfect that which concerneth me. Thy mercy, O Lord, endures forever. He said, forsake not the works of thy own hand. His mercy endures forever, and he will perfect that which concerns you. I've messed it up, Lord, but I know you can straighten it out. I'm believing you're going to help me get it straight. You hadn't gone so far, God can't help you if you'll trust him. All right, we get into neat stuff, and I'm going to have to unhook. Time's getting away. So many things, so many things we want to look at. It's very interesting as we get into our study. We talk about his keeping power and overcoming power and all the things he'll do. When you get an opportunity and you get home, you'll probably miss it, Luke 17, 1 through 6. But read why Jesus said it's impossible, but that offenses will come. Because after he told them, he said, the Lord, increase our faith. And he come back at them. And here's what he said. If you have faith as a grain of mustard seed. In other words, if you will not doubt, I will. You've got to bounce back. You've got to keep fighting the faith. That's what you've got to do. God is good. That is God. That is our God. He can do anything. Let's stand if you would. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Let's stand and lift our hearts toward heaven. I want to take just a minute for these that are watching by social media uh, here this afternoon as we always do. Maybe somebody watching. The greatest miracle that could ever happen in your life is to get born again. The greatest. There's no doubt about it. You can go to heaven sick. Sure can. You can go to hell well. So sickness is not the most important or healing. What's the most important 
Is your heart right with God? The greatest miracle of all is born again. God has keeping power. He can keep you. If that's all you learn, you're starting, you're on a road, don't throw in the towel. Bow your head and pray a sinner's prayer with me. Father, I come to you a sinner. I'm lost. I'm on my way to hell. I'm sorry. I've sinned. I ask Jesus to come into my heart. I receive him as my Lord and my Savior. From this moment forth, Lord, I want to serve you. I want, to, I want you to be my Lord. I know God raised you from the dead. And you said if I would confess that, you said in Romans 10, 13, that whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. I'm doing it right now. Because you can't lie, I'm saved. That'll get you saved. That'll get you on the path. Tell somebody about it. Get in church, get involved, and you'll watch God bless your life. Find you a good church. I want to share with you. It's important to do that. Let the Lord lead you. God bless your heart. Till the next time, may God bless you, bless you in a rich way. All right, for those that are here tonight and you have a need in your life, you need healing in your Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.